0: and good morning to you. My name's Dave Mitchell. I also work here along with the two lovely ladies, Laura and Lauren. Lauren, as you may or may not know, was Miss Penny. The Lauren, I know it can be Laura, Lauren. Lauren is here, Laura is here. Lauren was Miss Penny. And so she is highly responsible for challenging all the children that were at VBS to bring in those pennies. So our thanks to the Creativity of uh, so much of our staff to be able to bring that together and your participation. We, we uh, so appreciate that as well. We're in a series in the book of Romans and I encourage you to have your Bibles in hand. I encourage you to also have the outline that we give to you free of charge uh, so that you can have that in the bulletin. You can use that as uh, you follow along. You can always see where we're at, sort of a road map, if you will, to know where we're at in any given point as your mind might drift to the Tour de France or the World Cup or things like that. But we'd like to bring you right back and focus to God's Word and let that be the leading influence in our lives. And so we're in Romans chapter 14. We're really in kind of a two-parter section here. Uh, The first 12 verses is all going to be about when Christians disagree. We're in a series going through Romans, so we're not just picking this passage because we have disagreements at Calvary, but we simply go through a book in the Bible. As we have been going through the book of Romans, now we find ourselves in chapter 14. So the first 12 verses are about, I believe, Christians who disagree. And then next Sunday we'll conclude it by looking at the chapters uh, 14, verses 13, about 23, where Christians can unite. We want to be united in that. And one of the things I'd love for us to be able to study together for next Sunday here's what a lot of us, I think, are facing. We're seeing a lot of cultural differences, social differences amongst uh, believers, amongst uh, people in churches, and we're finding it challenging. How, how do I love someone whose lifestyle, whose inclinations, whose behavior is so different than what I believe any believer should live? How do I, how do I relate to them And it's going to go back to something I said a number of weeks ago, to be able to engage with people without endorsing their behavior. How can I engage with people like Jesus did? He never endorsed bad behavior, but He always engaged with people who did bad behavior. How do we do that? So it's going to bring some insight, I pray, some wisdom, I hope, uh, at least a little bit more knowledge, or maybe even provoke some thinking about that. For example... In the current edition of Christianity Today, how many, just out of curiosity, have read Christianity Today? Anybody? Uh, Three or four of us, five of us, six of us? Christianity Today is one of those periodicals, it would be well worth your time to examine, and I get nothing, no kickbacks or anything for saying that, but it's an opportunity to be able to engage on some of the subjects that are going on. In the current issue of Christianity Today, there is a blog that is underway. And here is the topic of that blog. Three views. Would Jesus hang out in a strip club? Would Jesus hang out in a strip club? I wish that we were in a life like a life group right now. We could just sit around and hear our differences of opinions on that. They have three views. Actually, it's two views, because one view says no he would not, and two others wrote, yes he would. And they're thoughtful. These aren't some sort of blasphemous thing about Jesus and His holiness. But would He go there? Would He engage with people in a strip club but never endorse their behavior, the way I would put it? And uh, that shows you that, that we're still living in a world where there are cultural and social and behavioral challenges to know how do I, how do I live this Christian life in the context of a world where there are so many values that are so different than my values, what I believe God's Word says, and frankly, what is the truth of what God's Word says. And so this shows the, the context of what we want to be talking about. And so let me read Romans chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. It shows you some of the challenging things that were going on in the days in which Paul wrote this, that it's not unusual that here we are some 2,000 years later and there is still this problem of these... these uh, Difficult issues that are not clearly spelled out. I don't know what to do, so God, give me some wisdom. In Romans chapter 14, verses 1 through 12, we read these words from Paul. He says, Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. So you see, it's a dietary thing. And the one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats. So neither should judge either one, for God has accepted him. God accepts the meat-eater. God accepts the veggie-eater. But who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person regards the day above another. So now he goes to some other Jewish or Gentile cultural things as to where you honor certain days. One person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. So one days are sort of sacrificed and sacred and other days I just treat it like any day. For example, today, Sunday. Sunday is just like any other day today. It used to be when I was growing up, my mother would feel guilty if she had to run down to the grocery store Sunday afternoon to get something for Sunday lunch. She would hope that she wouldn't run into anybody from Bethany Bible Church because if they saw her shopping in the grocery store on Sunday, it would look sort of unsacred. How many people feel guilty now when you run to Vaughn's on Sunday morning? Doesn't happen too often. But back then, in the 50s, yeah, that was a challenge. So today, Sunday is just another day. In those days, Sunday was the day. Malls, stores, they're closed. Remember those days, folks? I'm old enough with some of you, not as old as a lot of you, but, uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I'm as old as a lot of us here and uh, can remember stuff like that. Well, in those days, 2,000 years ago, there was still sort of this religious phenomenon about certain days being held high regard and others saying, no, it's just any other day, like Sunday. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord. So here goes to motive, motive. Am I doing this for the Lord? And he who eats does so for the Lord. For he gives thanks to God, and he he, he who eats not for the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one of us dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be the Lord both of the dead and of the living." But you, why do you judge one or, your brother? Or do you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, quoting from the Old Testament, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us will give account of himself to God. And so that's where we stop. Next week we'll pick it up and give guidance as to the wisdom as to how we can unite together. So, the issues of those days was this. You got people eating vegetables, you got people eating meat. It's not a a vegan thing back then. The problem was that there was uh, meat being offered to idols in those days. You read about it in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. People would bring their meat, they'd offer it to an idol, and then it would go to the meat market, and then somebody would go to the meat market and they would buy that meat and say that meat was dedicated to an idol. Well, those who are weak in faith, if you will, that's what he calls them, those who are young in their faith, those who have not been taught in their faith, they would see that meat as having been tarnished, and for me now to buy that meat, eat that meat, serve it to my family, would be the same thing as me participating in idol worship. And he says, I I can't do that. Even though I didn't bring that meat and give it to the idol, and I didn't come and offer it to the idol as an act of worship in a second-degree relationship because that meat was given to the idol I therefore cannot eat that meat and so to make sure I never eat meat that has been given to an idol he says I'm gonna become a vegetarian there were vegetarians in those days and all they ate were vegetables others in that day says you know an idol is nothing but a bunch of stones that have been carved out meat given to a bunch of stones that are carved out is still meat it doesn't matter whether it was given to the stones of an idol or it was just pushed into a meat market. Meat is just simply meat. Meat does not change. The nature of meat does not change simply because it was given to an idol. And so therefore I have freedom to eat that meat. That, that is no problem for me. But Paul says, now here's where you need to be careful. If the weakened faith sees you eating this meat, they may become offended and stumbled in their faith. And so therefore, you need to be careful about eating that meat because you never know who's watching you. And they may see that and they may become offended. Their faith may be harmed. And we'll talk about some of the kinds of things that maybe are the meat and the vegetables of today. You might have things you want to add to it. But let me begin in this way. When disagreements occur, we need to evaluate two areas, you see on the outline. We need to evaluate the issue, and then we need to evaluate the people that are involved in the issue, because all of those, uh, matter. Here's the first thing that I notice that comes from God's Word, that Paul talks about. The issue. Is it a matter of opinion or a clear command from God? That's what I love about verse one. Notice what he says. Now accept the one who is faith and weak, who, who is weak, <laughs> I'm sorry who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. Opinions. You notice that God, Paul, is talking not about commands of God. He's talking about opinions. The word opinions in the Greek is dia logissimo. Dia means through. Logissimo means reasoning. Opinions are simply my mind reasoning that I have now concluded that this is a right thing or this is a wrong thing. I have no outside revelation from God. The Spirit of God has not come upon me and given me a prophecy about this. I simply have concluded it in my own mind's eye. I think it's just wrong. I shouldn't live my life that way. And if I think that I should not live my life that way, then there are some believers that go around saying, I don't think you should live your life that way. There are a lot of things that are sort of My own reasoning as to what I have concluded that is true. I referenced a couple of those in my little email that I send out each week. For example, when I was early here, my first year here at Calvary Church, which is uh, a long time ago now that I think about it. It's back when I had hair and it was brown. (laughs) I don't think you were here that first year. made it all the easier for me. Thank you. No, I'm just kidding. Love, Ken, while sitting there. Um, What was I saying? Where are we? (laughs) Has the World Cup started? No. Oh, wait. Um, My first year, dia logismo, to reason through my opinion, my reasoning. I had someone uh, confront me that when you put your Bible on the ground, right there, that's sacrilegious. Now you, I don't know, maybe you would agree with that. It's like the flag, you know, you don't, well, I'm not putting it on the ground because I hold the Bible in low regard. Put it on the ground because uh, there's no place else to put it. It's just a pragmatic thing. But someone has reasoned in their mind a conclusion that Bibles on the ground are sacrilegious and I don't know, maybe they're supposed to be burned. I don't know. I don't know what the rules are on that. I've never been informed. Seminary didn't teach that stuff someone else told me that uh, if I walk from here to here and I don't have a Bible in my hand that it means that I hold the Word of God in low regard people aren't expecting to hear the Bible so I always carefully now carry the Bible from here to here because I don't want anybody to conclude that the Bible is not important and uh, but this is reasoning that some have had one other thing I shared with you uh, is this picture I know that not everybody has had time to read my email And that's why some of you have not read it yet. But I came across a devotional that was produced probably a a generation or two before me. And in that devotional, they had a picture at the top of it. Here's a woman gardening. She's sweating, got the hat, and she's digging hard. And there's another woman on the other side. She's looking at her, some sort of a scornful uh, frown on her face. And she's a little disturbed about this woman. And what is intriguing is that when that ran, a person who read that devotional wrote to this Christian organization to complain about this picture. Well, what were they complaining about? This is what she wrote. We have greatly enjoyed the log for a number of years and have never seen anything that would warrant a breath of criticism. For this reason, I know that you will allow me to mention the picture in that last issue of The Girl in Pants. It was this woman wearing pants. That's what disturbed her. As the log enters thousands of homes, it might give an impression that you put a seal of approval on the custom. We know that this modern style, centuries old and not approved of God, has allowed much crime and personal sin to be indulged in. It has dulled the fineness of women's modesty and opened the door for smoking and other evil habits. Our Sunday school papers and many forms of Christian literature have adopted this kind of illustration. It grows more difficult daily for the church and the world to remain apart. And the organization's response to this woman? For jobs like gardening and such, we felt that slacks were a more modest, uh, than the skirts of today. Yet one can't be too careful that the world's acceptance of a custom or a costume and its common use does not harden our minds and eyes to its wrong. Now we know what the problem is. Women wearing pants. We're going to begin a brand new evangelism strategy of free skirts for all women. Because when all women wear skirts, there will be no more smoking, and other evil behavior taking place, and it will cut down on the crime. It talks about crime; it'll cut down on crime and personal sin. So, ladies, we're going to have free skirts out there as you walk out, because we're going to have we're going to have a crime-free zone here at Calvary Church. I know that I have. Am I sounding a little sarcastic at this point? Some of you may agree with that. I don't know. I did notice, uh, and I hate to look at women's behavior clothing on the choir, but I did see a few slacks up there. So (laughs) I'll have to have a new dress code. But you know, I I, I poke fun at that a little bit because we can look at that, but imagine there was a day, there was a time, there were groups of people where that was a huge concern. That was the mindset. And some of you maybe you remember those days. Yeah, I remember that stuff. And so the... The, the thing that strikes me is that we easily can slip into these areas that are opinions. They're simply human reasoning. And when you try to find linkage between a woman wearing slacks and choosing to smoke and do other evil behavior, it's hard for me to find linkage between slacks and smoking. Uh, I've seen women wearing dresses who smoke. And I don't... I don't so I guess... I don't know. Maybe it's dresses too. I'm not sure what the solution is. But it's that kind of human reasoning that we need to be careful for. So here are some human reasoning. And again, if we were in a small group and be able to discuss this, are these opinions or commands? Drinking one glass of wine or a beer, yes or no? Is that an opinion? Or is that a command? Now, I mentioned drunkenness last Sunday in both hours. And I had a lot of response to that. And a lot of them supported what I said. I'm not saying that everybody who, you know, was there would agree with that. But I know that there is a concern that we as God's children are careful that we, like the person who eats meat given to an idol... Do not by our behavior of drinking alcoholic beverages also give cause to the weaker brother or sister as a step of offense. That's just an area of concern, opinion, or command. That's what we need to decide. Tattoos. Are tattoos always wrong unless it's like a Christian message or something like that? A Greek or a Hebrew word? Or are all tattoos forbidden by God? Or is my opinion about tattoos simply my opinion? Where do we stand on that? And I know it's very easy for a lot of us in this crowd to have a very quick opinion, to reach a very easy conclusion, to sort of conclude something about someone simply because we see tattoos on them. And I'm not sure that that's the wisest way to go. Wearing jeans in church. Maybe that leads to smoking and other evil behavior. I don't know. But it's becoming more popular. Jeans are becoming the way to wear. I've got... Uh, I've got I have got, I love to wear jeans. I've had people tell me, you should be wearing jeans up there, up here. And the reason it... Well, I'm not going to go into that. But wearing jeans to church. Some people like, like, Ken, you've got jeans on. Does that make you want to smoke? I don't know. Is that... <laughs> I want to find out. What what are the links that... uh, Attending R-rated movies. R-rated movies. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff in those movies that we should probably not see. Passion of the Christ. I think that was R-rated. That's challenging, isn't it? To sort of reach a conclusion about someone. Hanging out in a bar. Hanging out in a bar. Is that the right thing or the wrong thing? Or what's the motive behind that? We need to assess those things. His motive goes to the Scripture there driving a Kia or a Lexus. (laughs) What is the right thing there? Both cars will probably get me everywhere I want to go. And one has this amazing uh, warranty of 100,000 miles and the other does not. Riding a Honda or a Harley? (laughs) Harley. So a Honda is sinful? Is that sinful? Will I want to smoke if I ride the Honda? I used to have a Honda. I'd ride out to Cook's Corner, but I'd always park it like a block down because I didn't want to get beat up, you know. And so there are these kind of things. Going to Las Vegas and playing poker. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? A right thing or a wrong thing? Attending church on Saturday night but not on Sunday. Remember how Paul writes, you know, some hold this day as a sacred day. Others say it's just any day. Is Sunday the day? And if you don't worship on Sunday, if you worship on Saturday night on Sunday, therefore you're outside the will of God? Is that an opinion or is that a command? What about Sunday night church? We didn't put that on there. Or even Wednesday night. It used to be Wednesday night, Sunday night, no the whole thing. Smoking a cigar or a pipe. I know there's a lot of believers that love to smoke cigars. And it's just a very relaxing thing for them to do on their are out in, on their back porch. For other people to do that, that would, be, that would be sinful. Is that an opinion? Is that a command? What about a pipe? Some pipe fragrance I've smelled smells kind of nice. I don't want it in my lungs, but it smells kind of nice. And then there's multiple skin piercings. Skin piercings. Now the more piercings, things you have in your eyebrow, your tongue, your nose, and... Your belly button and who knows where else. Are the more piercings you have, the more, again, you, you might want to smoke or something like that. What, what, what are the bad things about that? Is it a cultural thing? Or should I be careful about maybe judging someone who has those in that I may reach a conclusion about them that is not even nearly consistent with who they are? I think we need to be careful about some of these areas. And one more that I didn't have the nerve to put down there, but I'll just mention, cats or dogs? Which is, (laughs) is it an opinion or is it a command? I'm pretty sure, pretty sure Scripture's clear on that one. but, uh, But see, that may be just my own opinion, but I don't think it is. I don't think it is. So we got these areas. We could, just, we could go on. I would love to hear from you. Maybe, maybe this week if you feel like you because we're going to be talking about Romans 14 again next Sunday. What are those areas of opinion or command? Is it an opinion of God? Is it a command of God? Is it an opinion I have freedom in? Or is it a command that I have to obey? These are areas that we need to be cautious about. So how do we go about that? This is something that I've used before, and I want to illustrate it for you. In all of issues of life, there are foundational issues that are commands of God that I should always obey. And then secondly, there are supplemental issues that I should consider, I should weigh. Uh, they're, they're significant enough that I want to think it through, but, but I don't think that I should conclude that therefore this is a true command of God, but it's, it's something I really need to take in mind. And then there are incidental things. There are incidental issues that are simply compromises that, that I can agree to disagree. It's sort of like meat and vegetables Meat offered to the idol, vegetables only. You know what? Paul says you're both okay. You're both okay. You're both honoring the Lord as long as you're doing it for the Lord's sake. You're both okay. You, you can't go wrong. Romans chapter one provides for us one text that I was thinking about that shows how this can work. In Romans chapter one, Paul begins in verses one through eight with I believe are foundational things. We're going to look at Romans chapter one. I'm not going to throw it on the screen. But in Romans 1 through 8, it's all about foundational stuff. He says, I, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures. So it's all biblical. Concerning his son, he was born of, a descendant of David according to flesh. So he's fully God, fully man, declared the Son of God with power, resurrected, uh, according to the Spirit of Holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. So this is foundational. It's the deity, the humanity, the the purpose of Christ to sacrifice and rise from the dead. That's foundational. Foundational also in verse eight, dropping on to verse eight. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. For God, whom I serve in my spirit and the preaching of the gospel of His Son, is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention for you of you always in my prayers making requests, if perhaps now at last by the will of God I may succeed in coming to you. Verses uh, 1 through 9 essentially, ten, part of 10 there, that's all foundational stuff. That's stuff that God says, this will never change. Foundational truths, foundational truths are those truths that are eternally great. They're eternally lasting. They will have high impact. I need to think through, what are those foundational truths that will have eternal greatness to them? That's foundational. We'll never compromise in that. We'll never change that. We'll never have a different view of that of God's Word, and God's Son, Jesus Christ, His purpose, His sacrifice, His resurrection, and evangelism, world global evangelism. That will never change. Those are foundational things. Those are commands. We, we can't agree to disagree on those things. Uh, they are essential. We have a denomination that's uh, in our area uh, that uh, just has uh, recently been splitting. And and one of the reasons they're splitting is because suddenly, I don't know when the light bulb just turned on or what the deal is, but... But they finally reached a conclusion, a group of people that that we can no longer be part of this denomination because in this denomination, this denomination has taken a stand that Jesus is a way to God. Jesus is not the way to God. I wouldn't give a dime to an organization that says Jesus is a way to God. This is foundational stuff. How anybody could ever support any organization that blasphemes the foundational godly truths that are core to who Christ is and what Christ said. We just can't, we'll never budge on that. So there's no agree to disagree on that stuff. Then we go to those things that are supplemental. Paul goes on. Again in verse 10. If perhaps now, in the middle of verse 10, if perhaps now at last by the will of God I may succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established. That is that you and I may be encouraged together with you, uh, well, among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. Uh, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I've often planned to come. So supplemental to the foundational thing is that I'd love to come and visit with you and you can be encouraged. I would be encouraged. I long to see. I have desire. I long to do that. I would like to do that. That's supplemental. It's not foundational. If he doesn't get to do it, and he doesn't at that time, then okay. It's not like I sinned, but it's supplemental. I, I want to consider that. To long to be with someone, to, to want to be encouraged by someone, that's something that you... You don't have to believe in the deity and the humanity and the sacrifice of Christ and His resurrection to have that desire. Good people who are not believers in Jesus long to see people. They love to encourage people. That's, that's a universal concept that even non-believers believe in that. So verses 8, 9, 10 through 12 are supplemental issues that, yeah, you can agree, disagree. If it, it works out, great. If it doesn't work out, well, that's the way it goes. No big deal. I'm not going to get all uptight about that. I'm not going to quarrel with God about that because it's, it's supplemental. And then incidental, incidental is whether the plans actually work. You notice that in verse 12 it says, that you and I may be encouraged together with uh, with you while among you, each by the other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far, so that I may obtain some fruit from among you. I have been prevented. And then if you read over in chapter 15, verse 22, I think it is, you find a follow-up to that plan. He says to them in 15:22, For this reason I have often been prevented from coming to you, for now, with no further place for me in these regions, since I have had for many years a longing to come to you, he says, I still have that longing. I just can't get there from here, uh, that whenever I go to Spain, I hope to see you in passing and to be helped on my way there by you when I have first enjoyed your company for a while. He says, I'm going to go to Spain, and then I'll go to you in passing. He, Wait a second. I, I thought you really wanted to be with us. Are you going to pass through? What's the deal with that? But now I'm going to Jerusalem serving the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution to the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. He says, what happened to this longing to come and be encouraged by one another? Now you're suddenly changing all your plans. Spain and Jerusalem and and Macedonia and Achaia are supporting you. And you're just going to pass through if it works out. Well, that's incidental. I'm not going to get all uptight about the fact that I wanted to see Paul, but now Paul can't come. He's got different plans. He's got a different city going to different travel plans. he got a different travel agent. Couldn't get on this flight, so he's taking that flight. I mean, who cares? It's just incidental to everything. I'm not going to get uptight about incidental things that we can agree to disagree on. And and Paul, we'd love to see it, but if it doesn't work out, because your travel plans have to change, because you've got to get to Jerusalem, you've got to take this uh, offering for the poor, that's okay, we're good with it. Too often... We get all uptight and argumentative, whether in a marriage or family or community, over some of those incidental things and most insignificant things that should make no difference whatsoever. We get all uptight about incidental stuff when God says, put all your passion into foundational stuff. And so you see, even in Scripture, not every verse in the Bible carries the same foundational weight. Much of God's Word is illustrative to show us the distinctions and the variety of the way God will choose to work. And they have freedom in a lot of those areas that are incidental, that are travel plans that just didn't work out. So, okay, we'll figure it out. We'll go from there. So I just want to encourage you to remember that when we're in the process of looking at disagreements, make sure that you're really trying to take a hill worth dying for, to use the cliché. And those are foundational things. We'll fight hard for them. But if it's really an incidental thing, man, I'm just going to blow it off. I just don't care. It's no big deal to me. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I'm not going to fight with my wife. I'm not going to fight with my husband. It's just no big deal. So lighten up. Now, not only are there issues, but there are people. There are young in their faith and uh, they are maybe not mature believers. And so I need to weigh that out. If I am indulging in a area that I have freedom in, eating meat offered to an idol, but I see a weak brother that is over there, I'm going to say, you know, eating meat to an idol is is an incidental thing to me. I can easily Forgo the eating of a meat to an idol, because I don't want to stumble a weaker brother. And so, think about what are those things that you think I want to do? I would love to do it. Maybe you're looking to have like a Mike Tyson tattoo across your face here. You just went to long. You just you saw that on him, and says that's cool. I want one of those things. And and maybe you think, well, you know what? Maybe my grandchildren would be uh, offended by that. <laughs> I'm just being about as stupid and silly as I can be on that. But what are those things that maybe I long to do, but that if I choose to use my freedom in doing it will cause another to be offended? I'll show you that in just a minute. When disagreements occur, then we need to respond this way. I'm going to move through some of these principles because I think they're pretty clear and easy to go through. It says, You are to accept each other and not judge or hold with contempt any who disagree with you. When I come to an area of an opinion... It's an opinion, not a command, an opinion, incidental, that I can compromise on. When it comes to opinions, I can easily go either way. I can easily understand that I should not judge, I should not hold in contempt those who look at it differently than me. I'm I'm okay with that. I'm not going to get uptight over that. As Paul says, now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. Don't judge those who do it differently than you. Whatever in that list that I just gave us, maybe all those are opinions. Just lighten up on it. Don't let that become such a big deal. Man, we get all uptight about things, and we can easily get uh, irate uh, about certain people's behavior and get all stoked. And uh, one of the. Well, next week. To accept means to receive them into their life. And then secondly, admit that we all have freedom in opinion issues. We do have freedom in those opinion issues. Make sure it's an opinion issue. And then when I determine that, that I've got freedom. Now, it's guarded by the fact that I don't want to offend a weaker brother because the Paul says this, the one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. The one who does not eat is not to judge the one who does eat. For God has accepted him. God's accepted both the vegetarian and the meat eater. God has accepted both of them. God's accepted the tattoo wearer and God has accepted those who are against tattoos. God has accepted the piercer and God has accepted the non-piercer. God has accepted the person of this particular background and that particular background the same. There are no distinctions with God on the incidental issues of life. But the danger is that we get uptight about things. and The danger is two kinds of consciences. Let me just throw this in very quickly. There is the weak conscience that is terribly guilty over things that are really incidentals and you shouldn't have guilt over that. Paul says, however, not all men have this knowledge, but some being accustomed to the idol until now eat food as if it were sacrificed to an idol and their is being weak is defiled. I ate meat. I, I, I realized it was given to an idol and man, I feel so sinful for doing this. And God says, don't feel sinful. Your conscience is simply hypersensitive because of how you grew up. I still to this day, because the only cards that we ever played in the Mitchell home were rook cards. Rook cards, okay. But poker cards, not okay. To this day, when I hold poker, and I don't play poker, but when I hold playing cards that you play poker with, however that should be said, to this day when I see the king, the jack, and the queen, and the spades, and the clubs, and all that stuff, I still feel kind of kind of like guilty. And many of you look at me and think, baby. Uh, <laughs> but when we're brought up culturally in a certain way that certain things are wrong, it's kind of hard to get rid of that. It's hard to get rid of that. You know, on a, a Sunday afternoon, if, if I didn't get the lawn mowed and I got to mow the lawn, I, I kind of like, hmm, I don't think I should mow the lawn this afternoon. It's Sunday certain things you just don't feel right about doing on a Sunday. Because Sunday is that day. Even my mother, remember, she couldn't go to the grocery store on Sunday. We all took long naps on Sunday afternoon. We didn't do anything on Sunday afternoon. Because you had Sunday night church to get to. i take two-hour naps and i get up with a terrible headache. I'm like, what am I doing, you know? And so these kinds of things that you're so guilty if you don't keep doing what you were brought up to do. But then there are those who should feel guilty but don't. The Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of hypocrisy of liars seared in their own consciences with branding iron. These are people who are being led into demonic behavior and they're participating in demonic behavior and they don't feel guilty. Anybody who's doing something demonic and doesn't feel guilty has got a major problem. There are those people who do things that they should feel guilty, but they don't. We call them sociopaths. What's wrong with these people? Shouldn't they know that that is wrong? Because in this particular case, it was men who forbade marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared by those who believe and know the truth for everything created by God is good. You have freedom to do that, but man, you're doing things that are involved in demonic behavior, and that's where your conscience should feel guilty. And then we need to examine our motivation behind the the claim of freedom to assure that you are not doing it for selfish reasons but for the Lord. The, The key for a lot of this is motivation. Why do I do what I do in areas of opinions? Occasionally I've thought about not getting a real tattoo but getting a fake tattoo right here, my neck, and just not even say anything and just let you observe that. It might say joy on it or something like that, you know. Mom, something like that. Harley. And just wonder. Now, if I did that, the only reason I'm doing that is to poke you, right? It's not like I just want to give you a little jazz. It's not a good motive, is it? But if I did it and it said, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of the world. (laughs) Because I want to be a witness everywhere I go. You say, right on, Dave. Right on, brother. Well, we need to understand what's the motive of some of the stuff we do. Why, Why am I wanting to have this area of opinion, this human reasoning, no command of God, God says freedom. you got freedom all day long in that, brother. But why do I do it? Am I cautious in doing it? Am I aware of the weaker brother that may be offended in doing it? I need to be driven by those motives. I do it as unto the Lord. Everything I do. For not one of us lives for himself. Not one of us dies for himself. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. We do it for the Lord. And that's the driving motive for all of us. And so I encourage us to be those people who are driven for those causes that are foundational to Jesus Christ for the cause of evangelism we had a guy a number of years ago since I'm gonna hung up on tattoos we had a guy a number of years ago I remember in a high school ministry over here in the gym who came in he had tattoos all over his body he was the tattoo evangelist because everywhere he went with those tattoos it was an opportunity to engage people about Jesus Christ and that was his freedom it was his freedom to do it. Some people might look at him, oh, a gang member. Oh, well. No. He's a gang of Jesus Christ is what he was. And so we need to understand what the motive is behind this. I'm going to st- stop here, but I'm going to pick up and encourage us. I'm going to give you guidelines next week on how we can unite, even as we might disagree, about areas of opinion. And then secondly, my hope is for next Sunday. I encourage you to come back that we're able to understand how can I engage with those who have areas of opinions that are different? Or how can I even engage with those who have behaviors that are contrary to God's commands? How can I engage with them and yet not endorse or put a stamp of approval on the behavior that we know God is not pleased with? How can I do that? How can I unite behind the cause of what God has given to us? I'm going to encourage us with one last thing. At the bottom of the outline, here's kind of a responsive reading that we want to do. And then wrapping up this message for at least at this point in time, we'll pick it up this week for next section of God's Word. But here's kind of a corporate prayer response. Matt Doane wrote this and I liked it and so I thought I would steal it and use it here in this service but give him full credit. I'm going to read the first part and then I invite you as a community of grace to respond in this way. This is kind of our commitment that we want to be people of grace and moving forward in the areas of opinions and even in the areas of commands that we would be people of grace. So let me read the first part and you can respond. In our differences of worship styles and church practices, in our differences of age, backgrounds, and interests, and a diversity of spiritual gifts, vocational calling, and future goals, for the sake of unbelievers here in Orange County and around the world, for the sake of future generations that follow us here at Calvary Church, And because of the amazing grace we have received through Jesus Christ, may we be a community of grace. Let's ask that we would be those gracious people who go out. Father God, I thank you that you are a mighty God who helps us in some areas of challenge. Sometimes it's easy for us to really get kind of tweaked and upset and overwrought and really disturbed over things that are areas of opinions. Father, sometimes in marriages and in families, it's, it's not the major stuff. It's the little stuff that eats away. And God, we're just all uptight over things that we know that you have said, look, what's the big deal? Let it go. So Father, help us to be people of grace. Help us to be people of love who, who express that love and grace in a way that lets people see the foundational truths of Jesus but not be blocked not find barriers over some of the simple, incidental opinions of life. Father, guide us with that wisdom that we can distinguish between that which is an opinion and that which is your command and live according to your commands, but still as a community of grace. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.